Now, yesterday and today, our theater's been jammed with newspapermen and hundreds of photographers from all over the nation, and these veterans agree with me that the city never has witnessed the excitement stirred by these youngsters from Liverpool. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles! What's the Beatles' best album? There's no obvious answer because there's so many incredible options to choose from. Sgt. Pepper, Revolver, Rubber Soul, The White Album, Abbey Road, they all have a case for number one. I've had friends list Magical Mystery Tour and even Let It Be as personal favorites. I saw one critic put A Hard Day's Night at the top. You cannot be serious! I see seven albums in the conversation. The seven classic records that separate the Beatles from every other band. This is the Magic Music Podcast. I'm Nate Paff. This is part one of the Beatles' best albums. Number seven, Let It Be. One of their more flawed but distinct albums. Tensions within the band were at all-time highs, but their musical chemistry remained untouched. John was really strung out at this point. He starts the second track, Dig a Pony, with what sounds like he's inhaling lines of powder. I can't believe he put that on record. I'm pretty sure that's a tribute to his drug of choice at the time. Regardless of how addled John's brain was, he still brought magic to the music. Let It Be has great songs. I think that if any other band released Let It Be, we'd consider it an all-time classic. But compared to some of the other Beatle records, it's not as strong. But there's tier one all-time rock songs on this record. Get Back is so good and still sounds amazingly fresh. I've Got a Feeling is filled with that distinct Beatles magic. None of the Beatle members alone could have produced a song of that caliber, but when they got together in a room, the chemistry always sparkled. The opening song, Two of Us, is an acoustic classic. Dig a Pony, Across the Universe, Let It Be, these are essential parts of the Beatles canon. I think Let It Be is historically an underrated album. I'm tempted to put it ahead of the next album on the list because it reaches higher peaks. Its songs feel more significant on my Beatles playlist, but in terms of importance in the Beatles discography and consistency from start to finish, is it a better album than Rubber Soul? Not really. Number six, Rubber Soul. Undoubtedly one of the more historically significant pop rock albums ever made. Its production value from start to finish was unprecedented for its time. It elevated the bar for what an album could be. The music is still grounded in the early pop sound while giving a taste of the kind of nuance that would come on their subsequent albums. It's also the beginning of substances really shaping their outlook and pushing their sound into new areas. Drugs like cannabis, LSD, and amphetamines would increasingly influence the band's sound and ideas on what was possible. John called Rubber Soul the pot album. Here he is in a 1965 interview. John, how was the trip over? Did you all uh, get bored on the flight, or do you have things that uh, usually keep you entertained that, that you all were doing? Well, uh, we got stoned. All right. No, I'm, I know you're only kidding. Uh, I'm not. One of the highlights of Rubber Soul is hearing George coming into his own as a songwriter. If I Needed Someone is one of the best songs on the album, and it's a massive leap forward from his previous work. Songs like I Need You from their previous album, Help, that was painful. Vocally, it's definitely one of their richer albums, and I can see why the Beach Boys were so influenced by Rubber Soul. But despite its richness, the background vocals on many of the songs are repetitive and lack the kind of detail that we hear in their next albums. I also don't think some of the album's instrumentation has aged well, particularly some of the electric guitar work. It's an improvement over their earlier songs, but miles behind the guitar sound they achieve on just their next album, Revolver. The transformation from Rubber Soul to Revolver over a period of less than a year is one of the more striking upgrades in the history of music. 
there's really no precedent in Western music history for a transformation as swift and complete as the growth of the Beatles from 1965 to 67. It's like they condensed years' worth of musical growth into months. What they learned while recording Rubber Soul would help catapult the band to the heights they reached over the next two years. It was while making this album they realized how potent a tool the recording studio could be, and how much they could leverage new recording techniques to create dazzling new sounds. They had time to do this by cutting back on touring. Rubber Soul was the first album they made when they weren't simultaneously on tour or producing a film. Exposure to music outside the Western Hemisphere also played a significant role in this period of hypergrowth. Rubber Soul was their first album to include the Indian sitar. This was the beginning of Indian music strongly influencing their sound. First heard on Rubber Soul, Indian instruments and styles introduced new flavors to the band's aesthetic and brought a whole new range of creative possibilities. Rubber Soul kicked off the most extraordinary consecutive three-album run by any band in history and showed everyone, especially the Beatles, what was possible with focused time in a modern studio. Rubber Soul is definitely in their top three in terms of historical significance, but I'm not ranking albums based on historical significance, but instead on the strength of their songs. The ultimate question when comparing albums is, if we could only have one of the albums to listen to for the rest of our lives, which would it be? When choosing between Rubber Soul and the next album on this list, I would definitely go with Magical Mystery Tour. Number five, Magical Mystery Tour. It has some of their best songs. It contains maybe the best side to any rock album in history. But it also contains what I see as the worst side of any of the albums on this list. The first side of Magical Mystery Tour is just not strong. It's a nice opening three tracks followed by a pretty abysmal three song stretch. And I'm including I Am The Walrus in that. Some people swear by the song, John was really proud of it. I just don't see it. John admits to writing much of the song while on acid. It's probably best to come down a little before penning lyrics. Musically, it's hard to listen to, and I think John's songwriting falls flat. Blue Jay Way and Your Mother Should Know are also pretty weak. But the second side of the album, What a Difference a Side Makes, I give it a slight edge over the second side of Abbey Road as the best side of any of their albums. Quick edit. I just listened to the second side of Abbey Road, and I think I need to take that back. Maybe they're tied. The five-song stretch in the second half of Magical Mystery Tour is a Hall of Fame lineup. Hello Goodbye is so much fun and a great song for any occasion. Strawberry Fields is arguably their best song. I can see why John thought it was his best work. His lyrical ambiguities really work here, and it's one of their more psychedelic and mystical songs. And then there's Penny Lane, a timeless masterpiece, so optimistic and inspiring. It's Paul as a songwriter and bassist at his absolute best. It has one of the best choruses, both lyrically and musically. It's just so rich and optimistic and everything that made the Beatles special. The piccolo trumpet works perfectly. Strawberry Fields' Penny Lane is clearly, in my opinion, the best single ever released. Baby You're a Rich Man is a songwriting masterpiece from John and Paul. It doesn't sound like any other song in their catalog. Making an array of songs that sound fully and completely different from each other is maybe the Beatles' greatest achievement, and I think can be chalked up to the exceedingly talented three-headed giant of John, Paul, and George. No other band has had that level of talent. The movie Social Network plays Baby You're a Rich Man at the end, and it's a wonderful way to end a classic movie. Magical Mystery Tour closes out with All You Need Is Love, another timeless masterpiece. You can make a good argument that when they performed this song on live TV in June 1967, it was their true peak. The song has it all, John delivering unmatched lyrics and vocals, Paul brimming with brilliance on bass, George and Ringo knowing exactly what to play and when to play it. It's truly inspired music that perfectly captured the summer of 1967. The live performance during Our World was seen by over 400 million people. 
It aired a month after Sgt. Pepper was released, at the apex of the band's influence and acclaim. The band's manager, Brian Epstein, who would tragically die two months later, said this performance was the Beatles' finest moment. I think it's their best closing song to an album, with one of the best closing 30 seconds of any song ever. The choice between Magical Mystery Tour and the next album on this list is really tough. Magical Mystery Tour has a higher peak value and contains songs that I revisit more frequently. But the next album has a significant advantage in terms of variety and the sheer volume of music. Therefore, I would give a slight edge to the White Album. Number four, the White Album. There are lots of Beatles fans that will say it's criminal to leave the White Album outside the top three. But there are also many fans that see it as an overrated album. I'm somewhere in the middle. The Beatles producer George Martin didn't have a lot of love for the White Album. But there are so many great songs on this record. Dear Prudence, Happiness is a Warm Gun, Mother Nature's Son, Martha My Dear Blackbird. These are magical experiences when first discovered. For almost my entire senior year in high school, I listened to Long, 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 and then Good Night every night before I went to sleep. It was deeply satisfying. The White Album is probably their most eclectic album. The six song stretch on the second disc from Your Blues to Long, Long, Long is so stylistically varied that if someone unfamiliar with the Beatles heard them, they probably wouldn't realize it's the same band, let alone consecutive songs on the same record. This is an amazing album to explore in first getting into the Beatles, especially after you've gotten into Pepper and Abbey Road. You can just marvel at how innovative and how restless they were in pursuit of new sounds. They were never content to just recycle the old styles that worked well in the past. With each album, they explored brand new musical ideas, and no album shows this more fully than the White Album. For any other band, this album would be the achievement of a career, but the Beatles aren't like any other band. What sets this album apart from the other records, like its experimental songwriting, its bare-bones production, the creative emphasis placed on individual band members above the collective, its exploration of harder, louder rock sounds, are also its weaknesses. I think these qualities make the album less durable than their other great works. It's definitely their least cohesive and collaborative album. And what made the Beatles so special was the chemistry between its members. That chemistry doesn't sparkle on the White Album the way it does on the other albums on this list. The greatness of the White Album is a result of the greatness of John, Paul, and George as individual songwriters, as opposed to how exceedingly great they were as musical collaborators. If you really like the post-Beatles solo work, then you'll likely give more weight to this album. But if you're like me who always felt that their solo work was occasionally great but always missing that extra spark, then the White Album is likely not one of your favorites. It's their only double album, so it obviously has a big advantage in terms of length. There's so much to explore here with an incredible variety of songs to choose from. But because of the issues I stated, I don't see the White Album as belonging in their top three. Here's what Paul had to say about the White Album almost 30 years after it was released. I think it's a fine little album. I think the fact that it's got so much on it is one of the things that's cool about it. Because mm. it's, it's the very varied stuff, you know, Rocky Raccoon, Piggies, um, Happiness of Warm Guns, that, that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, I think it's a fine album. You know, I'm, I'm not a great one for that, you know, maybe it was too many of that. What do you mean? It was great, it's sold, it's the bloody Beatles White Album, shut up. Please check out part two of this podcast to hear about the top three Beatle albums, which includes a song-by-song breakdown and comparison of the top two albums. Thanks for listening. <laughs>